This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to Double Tap for Monday, the 3rd of October 2022. Today, Sean Priest is back with me and we're going to be talking today all about a brand new online cinema which will give us all more choices for audio-described movies. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. I know, I just said that. Hi, Sean Priest, how are you? <laughs> I'm really well, thank you, Stephen Scott. Audio-described movies, you got me interested. Yeah, well, I've got to say, you know, this is a really interesting project. I will put up front, though, bad news if you live in Canada oh. Oh. Um, or the US or New Zealand or Australia or any other English-speaking country, quite frankly, because it's only available in the UK at the moment. It's just starting in the UK. So I want to put that out there. Oh. But the reason I bring it up is because I think it's a very interesting project. And, you know, here on Double Tap, we're looking outside of our bubble here in Canada and we're focusing on the world. The world. Well, what we are, Stephen, is global. We are internationally. I that's believe right. The, that's uh, right. Yeah, 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 we yeah, are yeah. double tap global. <laughs> well, I like that. Very global. Mm. Well mm. done. I don't know if I like the way I said it, mind you. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah. Anyway, did you have a good weekend? I did. Yes, glorious as ever. I spent it in my shed, so it's always a paradise. So. Uh, oh, hang on. Uh, Actually, on that uh, point. Uh, yeah, hang on. Uh oh. Fuck right, yourself. Well, hang on. Hang on. What? Over here. Hang on. Considering it's just us two talking amongst ourselves is uh, kind of tricky, but I'll, I'll try. Just the voices in your head, just talk with them. Uh, um, I see. My AirPods Pro. Two. Still in the box. Still haven't opened Oh, up. you are a disc. You know Am what? I not just a send them directly to me. Okay. I think I might, because to be fair, they might get a chance to be opened. And the good thing is that you'll have, you do, you'd have lost them by now. Absolutely. Hey, I haven't lost those first gens yet. They are, um, I've tried a few times, but no, <laughs> no, I've still retained them. And you know what? The, the anxiety, the earbud loss, hang on, earbud loss anxiety well done. is get, getting less and less. Ooh. I am, I'm not worried so much. Tomorrow. I know, yeah, that's the trouble, but it's always, it just takes that one walk into a lamppost or a hedge and bang. It's gone, isn't it? And I, I can't face that. I can't face it, Stephen. No, well, just to wear them. Simple as that. Problem solved. Okay, thank you. They um, are really good, though. They just work, as Apple would say. They do just actually work. They, well, they're fantastic. I've been reading a lot of reviews. I mean, I haven't tested them myself. Uh-oh. But I have been reading a lot of reviews that do say that these are the hidden gems from Apple's big event recently. Because the, the, especially these ones, the, apparently the noise cancellation is way, way better and, you know, they talk about, um, what was it they called it? It was like a, a cabin pressure effect. That's what they described it as in, in the version one AirPods Pro. Now, mm-hmm. I kind of got that when I was on a plane or on a on a train. You would sometimes get that because, or anywhere, frankly, where there was any kind of wind flying around you, like, for example, when air conditioning is blowing at you, you would sometimes hear that in, in, and it would kind of create this weird effect, like a cabin pressure. Um but that doesn't seem to be the case with the new ones. So I'm looking forward to my uh, forthcoming journeys with them once I get them out of the box, obviously. All right. So when I'm in planes, trains, and indeed automobiles, I should worry about my Gen 1s and steal your Gen 2s. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Can I ask a question? Why is it that today we still call them planes and we still call them trains, but we no longer call automobiles automobiles? I do. I do always you? call them automobiles. Yes. I don't use the word cars. It's a vulgarity. Okay, fine. Just Thank you. check. Excellent. All okay. Right. Well, good. Moving. Um, well, I, I see that you're uh, being a little bit more uh, for, up forefront uh, these days because what? of um, I don't think that's the right phrase, but yeah, you're being up front. Uh, as I think that's what I'm trying to say. With, uh, with yes. because you know, following our email from Dean, have you recovered from that email from Dean in New Zealand? Look, I, absolutely fine. I realise mm-hmm. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I am an odd fellow, so it's absolutely fine. I am mm. wheezy. I am muttly. I do go <gasps> an awful lot. Um, but you know what? I'm also adorable. So it, it it's fine. Not everyone is going to cuddle me. You're <laughs> not was, wrong that there. That was weird. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Uh, right, let's get to some feedback because uh, we do have the chance <sighs> today with uh, Elena Zini, who is the person behind My Sound Cinema. We're going to be talking about that with Elena. As I say, it's, it is only the UK only at the moment, but they are hoping to expand this Boo. into other countries. 
I will say just just on that point, and I do I will bring mm. this up actually with Eleanor shortly. Um, but there was a Canadian version of this. There was a, a Canadian audio description project that tried to do I think very similar to what my sound cinema is doing. I don't know if it's still around. I'd like to know, but it was called Tell Me TV. And oh yes, do remember the this? tagline: "They kiss, we tell." Ah, that I was the that. best. That was uh, so clever. That was yeah. really good. I remember interviewing the guy behind that, and it was a really good idea. But as ever, it relies on the cooperation of movie studios and TV companies, and that's where it always mm, not falls down necessarily, but becomes difficult. And that's why this new project, My Sense Cinema, is only available in the UK at the moment because it's all to do with rights, ultimately. You know, they have to have the rights to be able to put this content out to the world or at least other territories. So we'll talk to Elena Zini about that today. But I do want to get to some of your feedback. You've been sending it in. In your droves. So let's get to the first oh. message today, uh, as read for us uh, by the lovely Laura Kirker from uh, AMI Audio's Guardian Daily programme. You'll know her voice from that show. Uh, Camille writes in, from Saskatchewan. And uh, before you say anything, I want you to listen to this message. Okay. This is Camille, and Laura reads the email. During last Tuesday's show, a certain Peter from somewhere in the UK sent in a voicemail feedback. I'm pretty sure that this was the same Peter who sent a voicemail feedback in the last RNIB Tech Talk episode featuring Steven Scott. During that episode, Peter told us that even though Sean pretends to be an NVDA expert, he is not. All he knows apparently about NVDA is how to use the tab, enter and arrow keys. Please tell me that this is not true. As well as for some reasons, Sean again was talking about places in Canada, including Moose Jaw and a town called Yellow Horse Knife. What the hell? And finally, I hope that one day Sean will learn how to properly pronounce the name of my province. Camille from Saskatchewan. Well done, Laura. She got it right. Ah, wow. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. You are, you, um, you are really not going down well in Canada. I think your career I, I, is finished. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a delight. Thank you. I believe that was Camille, not Laura, as you just said. So, uh, uh, well, Laura yeah, got, I, No, Laura got it right reading it and pronouncing Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, she's a professional, a, let, obviously. Let, let me have a dig at it. Okay. Saskatchewan. <sighs> Saskatchewan. That's right, right? Nope. That's wrong. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. You're putting too much emphasis on the wan. Saskatchewan. What? Just Saskatchewan. What, what, Just let say it flow. Quicker. Saskatchewan. 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 No, not wan. Just Saskatchewan. What do you mean? Saskatchewan. Let, let's, imagine, let's imagine that the end of it is spelled W-I-N. Saskatchewan. My, Think about I that. can feel myself. My head is getting... I'm, I'm, getting, I'm flushing here. I'm, my face is getting hot. Saskatchewan. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No disrespect. I just find it difficult to say. And, okay, NVDA expert. No, I am not an NVDA expert. I do use mainly the arrow keys and the tab keys, but I do know the shortcuts as well. I've been using it a long time. That doesn't make me an expert. Absolutely not. I can't remember the keyboard shortcuts off the top of my head. And but I don't think you've is... ever suggested you were an NVDA no, expert. No, no, I think other people might suggest it, not you. I'm I'm not an NVDA expert in well I'm not an expert in anything, um, but yes I. Who is? Is anyone? That's what I yeah, know. Ex- Who is an expert exactly. in anything? Uh, if you remember all the keyboard shortcuts, I suppose that is a uh, you know that's as close as you can yeah, get. But look, I come think. on, don't don't justify this. Look, at the end of the day, you you use it the way it suits you, and I do not think you're alone. And I I stand up, I stand with you. Oh, I'm not going to stand up, but I'll stand with you on this. Well, sit. Next I'll to me. Sit, Thank you. I'll sit with you on this <laughs> because honestly, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I, I have JAWS and I like JAWS and I've learned keyboard shortcuts along the way, but I'm in no way an expert at all on it. I'm continually learning new things about JAWS. Some of them I learn and forget because I don't use them for a period of time. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, and I think that's the thing. This show is not for the geeks. I'm sorry, but, you know, we're not geeky people. You know, we geek How out a little bit on some things. Dare but, you. Yeah, but we're not geeks. And we're not but, for the look, geeks. Also, when it comes to screen readers, right, there, there is different, you know, you can be, you, you can know it like the back of your hand in Word, say, uh, or maybe not in another application, you know, mm. because there are certain, there's certain tips and tricks that you learn as you're, as you're using an, uh, an app. And yeah, I don't know what to say about that, really, honestly. No, I am not an NVDA expert. I will absolutely admit that. 
Now, we had Robin on on Thursday talking with us about Amazon. He was due to come on to talk to us about Audacity. And he's also due to come on. Uh, we booked him for a few things because uh, we want him to come on and talk about keyboard mm-hmm. shortcuts. He He's keen to talk about this. And I was thinking what we should do is we should actually think about, we should actually plan this out. And we should write down in some form our 10 favourite shortcuts that are not the obvious from our respective screen readers, whatever it is. So I'm going to come at it from oh. the Mac point of view. You should okay. come to it from NVDA and jo- and um, Robin will bring his JAWS experience. And we can kind of come up with, you know, sort of 10 things you might or might not know that the respective screen reader can do. Yes. Because okay. there's actually quite a lot I've learned about the, on the Mac, especially. There's loads I'm learning. And um, it's, it's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I think I'm all in again on, I mean, I keep going back to the Windows, but then I'll give you a good example of this. The new Outlook on Mac is so much better than the Mail app now. I mean, it used to be terrible. Oh, really? And I loved the Mail app. I mean, the Mail app was brilliant, but the focus issues on on with VoiceOver, I'm imagining this will be fixed in time. It's not an application issue. It's a VoiceOver issue. But the focus, when I'm moving around, so say I put in all the various names into the to field, and then I tab down to the subject field. You try that on a Mac or with Mail, and the focus is all over the place. It's not reading what you're on properly. It's not grabbing focus as it travels. It does with Outlook. And, you know, I'm finding it's just a lot easier. Although in saying that, the one thing that's kind of bothering me was up until recently, and I, I guess an update's changed this or, or screwed up this, that when you would uh, hit enter on an email, it would just start reading the email. Uh, now it doesn't. You have to really kind of find your way to interact with the content, which I'm kind of annoyed mm. about. So, But this just seems to be an endless game. It's like an endless game of cat, cat and mouse with voiceover. It works one day, not the other. So, yeah, I don't know. But but I, I think we should talk about shortcuts. So we're going to do a shortcut show. Oh, very good. Very good. Ten. I'm trying to think of ten. I mean, on voiceover, you got it easy. There's a billion different commands that nobody knows about that are buried away there. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we may have to open it up a little bit for uh, Jules and NVDA, maybe okay. to some of the Windows shortcuts as well, because there's cheating. quite a few of those that people do not know about. Yeah. I, yes, quite quite right. I am cheating. Um, thank you, Camille, for your message. Really appreciate your email. Chris thank you. writes in. Sorry. Chris here again. Everyone is commenting on the price of the Ultra, saying it is twice as much as the Series 8. I looked into the Series 8 stainless steel and they are the same price for the Series 8 44mm stainless steel and the Ultra. So now I'm torn on which of these I should seriously consider. I do a lot outdoors on lakes and streams, but I also use my current Series 4 stainless steel for office work and my Sunday best. Maybe Stephen should buy one of the Series 8 stainless steel models to compare them. It would be a drop in the bucket out of the $1 million budget he has. (laughs) Then Sean could get the one he likes the least. Thanks again. Chris. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Chris. Okay. I don't know what I think about that one. Um, well, <laughs> look, I will say this. I'm I'm not particularly, and we're talking Apple Watch here in case, you know, anyone's wondering what we're talking about. But yeah, we're talking the Apple Watch Series 8 versus the Ultra. Yeah, I must admit, people do tend to go with price and, and that makes sense. And of course, there's always the Apple Watch SE edition if you uh, are maybe limited with funds, but you still want to get on the Apple Watch bandwagon. Um, and that's a good option. And to be honest, I think any Apple Watch for most people will be good enough. Um, does anybody need the Apple Watch Ultra? Um, well, um, I don't know. I mean, it really depends on your own. Some sort of explorer. Well, okay, um, let, let's maybe narrow it then. Blind people. Any blind people really need this? Look, the screen is lovely. It does make a difference, I think, with the larger screen. Not so much in terms of the the visual side of it, because I don't think that makes any difference. Um I mean, I, I don't have my screen curtain on these days. And that's partly because it's such a bright screen and the extra large font that you can use for the time, I can make out. And I do like that. Oh, really? Um, you know, it's like okay. the, 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 you got like a number, it's the, they split the time in two, basically. So you have the, the hour at the top and the, the minutes at the bottom. Of course. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. So Actually, it's really I think big. I can sometimes make that one out on mine as well yeah so it's good for the, that and and you know obviously yeah. that and you can kind of i can go as far as recognizing some not all but some of the symbols that come up the icons that Ooh. depict say messages or whatever it might be not all the time because some of them have changed so i don't know what they were you know what i knew what they were like, like before but not now um so you know that kind of thing is useful and also it's just nice to have it on you know so why not right well, I'm, What's Chris asking here? Because, I mean, you know, the use is exactly the same. 
Mm. Right? You're not going to do anything that you can't do on the Series 8 that you can do on the Ultra. So you're looking at the battery life on the Ultra, which well, is to me, that's the so winner. much better. Yeah, yeah, that is a real you got, pool. You got the size, so if you are low vision, maybe you know if you use magnification, maybe Still, it's usable. I don't know. I don't know if that's. A, yeah, I don't think I'm not that's convinced a, by that either. But are we just talking about the way it looks, the aesthetic here? Because he says he uses it for work mm. as well as you know for activities. So. See, I think they've made a mistake with this one. I think this, I mean, I think the watch itself is lovely. I think they could do with bringing out some nice professional bands as opposed to the active wear approach that they've done. Um, Because I think it's actually a really nice, chunky, big watch if you want that kind of thing. And I do. I like that. I like big, chunky watches. The Apple Watch has always felt a little bit small in my humongous arm. You have got hunks of ham for your forearms. I have ham arms, yes. yes. Yes, where I've got lady wrists. So have you? Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Ah, oh, no, it's cool. But you did say you were having some problems with the band. Oh, that, yeah. If you got, I, I had to get sighted <laughs> help on this. I could not figure out how to get this band to work. I could not make sense of it at all. So I ended up. I got myself the other. I, I'm a bit confused as to which ones I've got. I think I've got the Alpine Loop versus whatever the other one was. The other one was screaming yellow. This is screaming orange. These are not mm, the official. Of course colors i believe but you know they're, they're all screaming they're all screaming orange but yeah i mean it's a lovely band it's a beautiful watch um it's not quite as glary as the yellow one but it's, it's beautiful i like it i really do quite like it it's a, a bit, i had to yeah it did take me a, a bit of time to get used to that <laughs> strap so i think if you're blind i would take it to the apple store and let them sort it out um shall we move on to doug because um doug has got in touch he doesn't like his lenovo laptop hmm I have a Lenovo IdeaPad and I don't like it much. There's an app called Lenovo Vantage, which I think has a bunch of utilities. The problem is that it's inaccessible. Go figure. (laughs) I'm typing this on my brand new Bluetooth keyboard. It's a full job with a number pad. Enjoy your podcast. Cheers, Doug. Okay, thank you for that, Doug. Um, Straight to the (laughs) point. Straight to the point, Doug. It's a full job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't like it. Move on. Um, <sighs> yeah, he's picking up on this because I was talking about my Lenovo laptop. You know, the one that uh, I've got, the ThinkPad. You've got the same one. I think I'm in love with that laptop. I think it's absolutely glorious. And the you're absolutely right. The Lenovo Vantage software eh, isn't accessible. I am. If I keep tabbing through, I do get to the update button and it checks for updates. And I can, with that and narrator, you need to switch between. You can install updates, but to be honest, I don't really care about that anyway because you can mm. do all that through Windows Update. If you go into optional updates, you can see driver updates through there as well. So you can do it through there. You don't need to worry about it too much. Um, but, I mean, aside from the slightly dodgy, inaccessible software, I think the Lenovo hardware is fantastic. The fingerprint sensor on this one, um, the uh, Hello Windows Hello, so you just open it up and it recognizes your face and signs you in. That, that stuff works just top-notch. It's so good. So my Surface laptop, or my, sorry, my, Surface, my Lenovo laptop is being sent off to another of our colleagues in our team. And I'm playing um, with my Surface Pro 8. Mm-hmm. And I will say, the one thing that I love about that device, the keyboard I'm still not loving, but I'm getting used to it. And obviously I can use a different Bluetooth keyboard when I'm at home, right? I, and I usually do. I usually use you know an extended keyboard or, or something else or my Logitech. But the one thing that really stands out with that particular Surface Pro, and in fact, I think all Surface Pros, is the sound. Because the audio from the Lenovo's is terrible. It's just wasp oh, in yeah. a jar. Yeah, but yeah. on the Surface, you know, it's great. Because obviously it's a tablet, so it's built to be used for entertainment and leisure as well as all the productivity stuff. So listening to music on it, watching Netflix, all that stuff, that's what you would do with it. So, yeah, the sound is much better. That is one thing I really do notice. Um, Mm. Have you considered just setting that up on a stand with a a Bluetooth keyboard and using it like an all-in-one computer? Yeah. It seems to solve your problem with the keyboard. I mean, the the actual hardware itself, the Surface Pro 8, is, is great, right? Absolutely. I mean, again, and uh, this is the other benefit, right? Because all this software on it, to some extent, is accessible. Microsoft is, you know, it's all run, everything on the Surface is run through of course, yeah, Microsoft yeah, Updates. Yeah. So fully accessible yeah. to get access to. Um, and I will say, you know, Lenovo's not alone with their inaccessibility of its own software. Dell were pretty bad for that as well. I think HP weren't particularly good either. So, 
you know, my no. own experiences. So, you know, it's, there's a problem with that third-party software sometimes. But, yeah, I'm interested in your problems, though, uh, Doug, with your Lenovo. That is interesting because I think a lot of it is down to the processor. I think a lot of it is down to, you know, well, it always comes down to the hardware, doesn't it, inside, let's be honest, if it's a slow well, processor or older uh, processor. But what is the actual problem? Because all Doug referenced there was the inaccessible Lenovo Basically, it's system software, right? It tells you the, the info about your warranty, and also it checks for system updates and driver updates. But as I said, Windows Update can do that anyway, or you can go off and go to the website and do it yourself if you really uh, want to. So is, is there a problem with the actual hardware itself? Is the computer not performing well? Is your mm. screen reader stuttering? What's, you know, what's the issue? Okay. Yeah, do let us know, Doug. Uh, let's move on. John has been in touch. Hi, all. What a great listen. So much info and interesting topics. I've just acquired a device that you can wear so your iPhone back camera can see in front of you. When I get my 14 Pro, it will be so interesting to see how the door detection works. I wonder if you have featured the device from Mexico called the Strap. It really does sound very interesting indeed. You get haptic feedback to where obstacles are. Keep up the good work. John Gallagher. Now that's interesting because I was hearing David Woodbridge talk about a product that sounds like this. I think this is the one he's talking about. Um... So maybe contact uh, David and we'll get him on and, and see if he could come on and explain more about this. Because I'm hearing so many things about these kind of products that are doing the rounds, products mm. that are helping us or trying to help us. I, I must admit, as soon as I hear replace the white cane, I always get a little bit nervous. It's Yes, it's let's be fair, it's nonsense. I'm not saying this product is useless, but it is an accessory to your basic mobility. It has anyway. to be, right? Uh, well, look, we've had the vibrating sonar sunglasses for years. And there's, I think there's also uh, some sort of hat. I think the uh, the We Walk thing, oh, right? Don't even, don't even start me with those glasses. I swear to you that the glasses, <laughs> I got a pair of glasses once sent to me. I won't say who yes. from or which organization it came from, but I got these glasses and I put them on. And my wife said to me, you look like you should be in prison for doing something bad. That's what she said. She said, that's how bad they looked. Okay, well, who cares about what they look like? Oh, it's, come it's, on. I mean, uh, I'm well, sorry. Do they work, though? And uh, I look like a, they... a 1950s British grandmother. <laughs> yeah, but you do without sunglasses. True, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I think probably there, there's two devices that use sonar, which I think are actually really useful, and, and that is the, the, I think it's called the mini guide. It looks like a little flashlight. Oh yeah, you put and it on your cane, don't you? Or you can do you no, hold you it just, separate? No, you just you just carry it. Yeah, so you could you know, like if you're shorelining across a shop, it will vibrate when there's an opening for the door. Or, Did or you not see like that, that. in Site Village? Um, or was that Site Village? I don't know. If it was that Site Village. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, My friend uh, Garth uses it quite often, and he loves hmm. it. He, he used to use it for work when he he's a guide dog user, and when he didn't want to, you know, the guide dogs asleep under the desk or whatever, and he was just going somewhere, he would just use the uh, mini guide sonar. Uh, yeah. So it was really useful for that, and also the um, the band that you have, and I, I don't believe I've used it. The is it the the Sunu, Sunu band. band? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, again, the problem with all these things for me was it gives you so much information in vibration feedback. It's a lot to take in, and when you're walking yes. around, you're thinking. I mean. <laughs> You have to. I wasn't entirely sure what it was telling me most of the time. It would buzz, and then nothing would be there. And I I'm think thinking, well, there what's... is a learning curve to this stuff. That's why I'm not saying it's useless, right? I'm not being dismissive yeah. of this this stuff. I think it can be. It gives you extra information. Now, how how you process that information, there is a learning curve to any of this. You need to learn when when it's actually telling you something. You need to take notice of, right? So, mm. yeah. Hey, we'll find out. Let's get Dave on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to one final message in for now. Uh, this comes to us from uh, Dave in the UK. Hi, Stephen and Sean. I trust that you're well. Mm. I'm loving the new double tap format, although it's now taking up a huge amount of my spare time on keeping up to date. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I'm mine. I have a quick question for you, and it's around the accessibility <laughs> of the smart device app Smart Life. I used to use this app successfully with VoiceOver, connecting my Tekin smart plugs, creating groups, etc., However, since I've now got over 10 different plugs and groups, the app has become inaccessible with VoiceOver, as it now just has a line of text with all the different groups and names of devices, and then mm. on the next line, it just says button, 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 oh, button, dear. button, button, button. But none of these <laughs> buttons are actually buttons, or they don't do anything when I double tap on them. Have you experienced the same problem? Do you know of other apps that are accessible Dramatic that I can pulse. use to manage my smart plugs? 
I am using Alexa to do this a bit, but I find the Amazon Alexa app a bit clunky too. Hoping your tech brains can help. I mean, Sean or my fellow listeners. Best Ooh. wishes, Dave <laughs> in Surrey, UK. Oh, well, well done. Thanks, Thank Steve. you, Dave. Ah, yeah. you got a bit of, uh, well, I won't, I won't say hate, but uh, yeah, shade. That's very good. Yeah. Thanks for that, Dave. Moving on. Um, now, sadly, I can't answer the question, though. That's, well, that's a bit of a disappointment. Uh, okay, first thing I might suggest you do is try screen recognition. That might be one thing to try, because oftentimes it can get to bits of the screen that, you know, without screen recognition, it won't. You, you'll just get a button, button. It may attempt to read some of that screen. Very good idea, um, because, as you said, it, it's activating the device you want because it is just read out because I've had the same problem yeah. as one thing, and you can't choose the individual. I just don't know if screen recognition... I did try that the first time. It became inaccessible, and it didn't work, but there's been a few updates since then, but I haven't gone back to test that, so it's worth a try. Let's put it out to the audience. Feedback at ami.ca. You can call us on one eight seven seven. 803-4567. Uh, stick around. We're going to be learning all about your sound cinema or my sound cinema. It's mine. It's all mine. My sound mine. cinema with mine. Elena Zini on the way next. She joins us here on Double Tap in a moment. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Double Tap, and today we're talking all about My Sound Cinema. Now, this is a new service that's just launched at the tail end of last month, and uh, Elena Zini, Elena Zini, I beg your pardon, is on the line with me. Now, we just, I just asked you to get uh, if I got your name right, and there I get it wrong. That's just so typical. <laughs> uh, Elena, how are you? Thank you for coming on to Double Tap. Hi, I'm great, thank you. So My Sound Cinema is, uh, as it says online, is one of these uh, first online cinemas that really puts audio description at the heart of what it does. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that and what that actually means? Because it sounds very interesting. Yes, yeah, so it's um, a VOD platform so, or cinema. So it's um, similar in a way to your Netflix or Amazon Prime where you go um, online and you click on a film that you would like to watch and uh, and the film starts. You'll have to pay a ticket for it. Um, and the main difference is that the films will all have audio description on them. So they there is no opt-in or opt-out. Um, so, yeah, as, to, as soon as you play, press play, it will start with audio description. And also the whole platform has been built trying to optimize as much as possible for screen readers to make all the text as legible and as big as possible. Um, so the whole experience should be really as accessible as we possibly could uh, achieve with our limited budget and, yeah, well, uh, and resources. I, I wanted to ask you about that, yeah, because, I mean, obviously setting something like this up, I can't imagine is the, the cheapest of, of things to do. Um, so so how, what's the process? Who's behind this? So behind it, uh, it's basically a team of three people at the moment, um, but the idea is mostly mine. <laughs> and um, so I've been working in accessibility for around three, uh, for around 10 years. And one of the main strengths of, I founded a company called Screen Language. And uh, one of the main strengths that we do is audio description. So we only work uh, yeah, with film and media and lots of independent and documentaries. And uh, basically we really love the materials we work with. Um, my former background was in translation so the description was for me like a form of translation um, and uh, it came to realize that first it was a huge need for the description and secondly that many of the films that we were working with um, we were producing these beautiful audio descriptions putting all our heart and soul into it but then they weren't being used as much as we would have liked uh, both festivals and cinemas struggled to use them. People didn't know whether the audio description would be available. And even when cinemas went online during the pandemic, um, it looked like this: the platforms couldn't really handle audio descriptions mm. or some platforms were not uh, accessible enough. People just didn't know these films were there, especially for those films who were just a tiny bit more niche, but nevertheless really deserved to be, to be heard and seen. 
Um, so it was mainly out of this kind of frustration from a provider perspective of why are we doing this? And uh, people are spending money and investing in creating the audio description if then they're not being used. And perhaps if we if these were used more, people would produce more of them, you know, be like a sort of virtual circle. So that was only my idea. So clearly because I, I am not vision impaired myself, then I went to uh, RNIB and I went to, um, we created a survey and we asked people what they actually thought, which was the first step. And that took a while actually to make sure that was it, is, is this a good idea? Um, and the RNIB were really supportive of it. Site Scotland were behind us. Um, and the responses in surveys and social media were, were astounding, were amazing. So that really pushed the whole project to the next stage of actually getting more funding to, to starting the work on it. Um, so it's all been funded with small pots of money here and, here and there. Mostly Innovate UK, which is like a creator of, you know, a supporter of innovation. Um, and then Film Hub Scotland and The Space, who are an art. They, you know, they, they had a funding for um, access in the arts, um, which allowed us to create, to put together a steering group, which has six uh, blind and vision impaired uh, members uh, who have guided the whole process and uh, one main consultant who is completely blind and who's also an experienced consultant, but all of the members are, are really incredible. They come from different backgrounds, but lots of uh, consulting with ADA, with Site Scotland, with um, RNIB. And uh, uh, so it's it's been really a fantastic process. It also allowed us to get a lot more feedback on the work we are doing and especially on, on this project. So it's become a, a, a collective, uh, a collective uh, work, which, uh, which was great. And then now it's yeah. almost, yeah, it's... It's there. It's alive. It's been like three years in the making. So wow, that's a long exciting. time. That's a long <laughs> yeah. time to get to, to this point. Um, and clearly a lot of work has gone into it. And as you say, you know, the, the, that working with the community, blind and partially sighted people is is key, right? But I want to go yes. back to your, your point earlier about the pandemic. And really, that was the first time that we started to see this shift. Well, we, ha we had to see a shift to cinema online. Uh, I mean, it was kind of starting to happen. We were starting to see home movie rentals appearing in some places like on Amazon Prime or even on iTunes. You would go in, you would find a movie that was out in the cinema and you could actually watch it there. But sometimes it wasn't always at the same time as cinema release. So mm -hmm. you'd maybe have a few weeks, whereas the pandemic, of course, closed everything down. And that meant that we had to all stay at home. And that was why we would start watching cinema releases. I think at the time, if you remember, it was like Tenant was the only one you could watch. Mm -hmm. um, that was about it, really. That was the kind of latest. That was the only one that was out. Um, and again, there was that question mark over, OK, are we going to get audio description? But I've got to say, just, just going back a little bit and just going you know, back before the pandemic and thinking about what cinema experiences were like then... You know, around the world, I don't know what, it, I mean, people will tell me, people will get in touch and tell us with their experience from around the world. But, you know, in the UK, access to audio described movies in cinemas isn't a perfect experience either. So mm -hmm. you would go in and you might get the headset and you'd hope that it worked. And then, you know, you might have to, I remember once having to watch a movie by turning my head to the side so that the RF could pick up, you know, the, the frequency could actually pick up on the headset. It wouldn't work <laughs> if I was staring straight at, straight at the screen. I had to turn my head to the left. So, you know, these kind Amazing. of things were going on. And that's if the film even had audio description. So, you know, it, it was not a perfect world to start with. Is there a sense from you that actually making more of this online means that we might actually see more access to more movies or more audio description on movies online? Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean the idea is, hopefully we are huge fans of of cinemas, and we believe that you know the the cinema experience in person cannot be replaced by anything else. Um, on the other hand, we've heard so many of these complaints that you're speaking about of headsets not working, of people going to a cinema and then the other description is not actually available, or. Uh, the batteries are low or, you know, people struggle to, to make it to the cinema. So everyone mm. has an option to watch, to go to the cinema or to watch things online. And, it, you know, it can be more difficult maybe for some people to make it to the cinema if they are vision impaired. So I just, you know, believe that everyone should have that option. On the other hand, yeah, we do hope that by having a place for audio described film to 
to be and to be more visible and to hopefully even be, bring a community together around it, we will make it more, you know, we will support the description in general, which means hopefully we'll get people in general, we'll get more funding and the quality of the description in general will go higher. It just seems that audio description has been a little bit left behind in comparison to maybe captions that people now, there's a bit, there's a lot of talking about captions online and yep. on social media, but not that not everyone knows what audio description is yet, which is, seems crazy, but yeah, it should, you know, I think this should change. Definitely. So Absolutely. hopefully this will be like a platform to allow a bit of a debate and a bit of a you know, bringing people together that love audio description, getting people who don't know what it is to know what it is. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm promoting and bringing it forward. And also hopefully we can use it to experiment with audio description because there are things that people have thought of doing like audio introductions or people have tried, you know, um, the actors introducing or, or describing themselves um, or uh, filmmakers you know, we, we can have live events as well. Mm. Uh, it's not like it's not going to be from the very beginning, but hopefully we can do it um, soon. Because so you've got a whole platform, having, right? You can do anything yeah, you want on that platform. Exactly. That's that's a great thing. Like it's all about the description. So we don't yeah. have to negotiate with anything else. Um, and on the other hand, we're using some resources that are not being used. Uh, so we, we're not really comp- uh, competing against uh, you know, even Curzon or, you know, VFI, or we just want to use things that are just sitting there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk to you about content and, and specifically mm-hmm. what we will see on My Sense Cinema and also how available this is going to be. We'll get to all that in a minute, though, because I, I want to turn to your point earlier about the, the consultation you had with the community over the last three years and working with the visual impairment community. And you've made a short video about this. I want to play it in. It's about three minutes long, but I want to play this because it gives you a sense it gives all of us, I think, a sense of how the community feel about audio description, the need for it, and how a service like this could actually help. Click play. Vibrating audio lines morph to become the face of a contented listener. My Sound Cinema. Text on screen. The first ever audio-described online cinema. I do enjoy it when there's audio description available. I like the whole experience. But what's difficult is when audio description isn't available, um, it, it does put me off. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't been since the since before the pandemic. I love using audio description. Um, some films don't need it as much as others, but when it is needed, you boy, does it make a difference and, and really enhance the enjoyment of it. I do encounter a lot of issues at cinemas. I encounter a lot of audio description that is scheduled and it's not available on that actual film, even though it's scheduled. I have problems with headsets where they don't work. Accessible, reliable, your go-to place for audio-described cinema online. People have this idea, right, that audio description is just for people who can't see anything at all, but you think you still find it useful or that you can see quite a bit. Yeah, like I, well, I can see a wee bit, but only if literally if I grab a prop. Literally, I can only see something if my face is this close to the screen. It's about less than a hand span away from my, from my face, and this is how I normally watch something. With me having some residual vision, I can sit as close as I would need to to try and get some some of the the visuals. You could have eyesight, just any any many reasons that they're not really able to get to the cinema over and above their visual impairment. So that would be great for them. The other group I think we really need to mention is those with dual sensory loss. So um, people that are hard of hearing and visually impaired. For visually impaired and blind audiences, for people with mobility issues, for those who need captions alongside audio description, for everyone to enjoy audio description. I think for one thing now, the other side as well, the promotional side of getting more filmmakers to recognise the importance of audio description and to kind of come on board and be willing to show their films and want their films to be described and be part of an exciting service and get a new audience for their films. I think one of the most important things for me is creating awareness from a general point of view, not just saying we need to target this at 
at the visually impaired community. It needs to be targeted at everybody. The description is independence. It's the ability to go and watch a movie and not keep nudging your neighbour or the person sitting next to you say, what's happening, what's happening? For me, it, it boils down to two, two things, flexibility and choice. Coming soon, live online from September 2022. MySoundCinema.com Funded by Creative Informatics, Innovate UK and The Space. Supported by Film Hub Scotland. Part of the BFI's Film Audience Network. Network and funded by Screen Scotland and National Lottery funding from the BFI. Just really interesting to hear people's takes on that. And I have to say, for full mm-hmm. disclosure, one of those people there uh, was my wife. My wife was involved in this, yeah. Marie. And, uh, she's great. She's, she's been a big part of it from Slight Scotland, her organisation that she works for. Um, and, you know, it's just been really interesting hearing her talk about it, which is how I found out about it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the content that is going to be on this platform. What kind of content are we likely to see and hear? Um, so we are uh, focusing on... So we have asked, obviously, the steering group uh, what they thought would be interesting for them. And um, surprise, surprise, uh, there's so many different opinions because uh, people <laughs> people like different films and there's you know, nothing we can do about it. Um, so, um, so the idea is to have as diverse a range of titles as we can. Um, we... Obviously, um, we are negotiating now with uh, all the distributors and hopefully we'll get a sort of avalanche effect that the more distributors come on board, the more uh, they will, they will, the bigger ones decide to join. Uh, so it's clearly because also we come from sort of a more independent film background. It's been easier so far to negotiate with independent and um, distributors, but nevertheless, we do have uh, some bigger titles like um, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse or Boiling Point or Benediction. Um, and you know, they are, um, you know, big. Maybe not everyone knows about them, but they are fantastic films, and they're and they're. You know, all films we really believe in. Um, we do try to focus on, yeah, on, on diversity and having a variety of, of genres and re- representation. Um, you know, of, of having you know equality, diversity, and inclusion at the heart of the programming of the of the films of the cinema as well. Um, so it will be, yeah, hopefully a platform where people get to experience films that they can't find uh, in other places. Um, the idea is also that, you know, if if the titles are widely available on Netflix and, and Amazon, then maybe there's no, you know, a lot, some people manage to get audio description through those platforms. So mm. maybe we should try and support those other films that don't actually reach the, the audience as easily as those films. So Well, that's the point, um, really, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. quite important. I mean, you know, I often think about classic movies, older yeah. movies, you know, movies that we don't get, uh, you know, uh, as easily with audio description. And, you know, sometimes actually just having access to the content. Look, it's about having access to more. I, th- I think you'd be probably doing it wrong if you were just chasing the same content that's already out there. I think the way you're doing exactly. it makes a lot of sense to me that you're actually going for content that isn't anywhere else at the moment. That's what will draw people to the service. Exactly. And we have been thinking of, you know, whether if people want opera, which without the description or mm. theatre or uh, black and white uh, films or rather than manga or, or family, we've heard all sorts of inputs. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can kind of go with audience feedback and um, and also with yeah whatever is also available uh but yeah, yeah. having a place for everything that's available out there and doesn't have a home uh online that's easy to find yeah it's really interesting i mean i'm, I'm so intrigued by this now mm-hmm. obviously a lot of our audience are in canada that's where our show is based mm-hmm. uh but we have an international audience and, and one thing i was very keen to do this season of double tap was really expand out into international stories and this is where this really came in to, you know came to interest to me was the fact that you know this is coming out of Scotland mm-hmm. um but it is in fact UK wide and it's also worldwide is it so uh, the um, the territory negotiation is a little tricky so at the start we've had to limit our territory to the UK okay. for now 
Uh, obviously, then it's a, you know it, it's it's not a pilot. I mean, hopefully it all works fine here. Uh, and if it does, we then we can extend. We do need to renegotiate all the rights with all the rights holders. The other thing I'd like to point out is, obviously, it, hopefully it's obvious, but this is entirely legal <laughs> because the, I know that. <laughs> Somebody has to say that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, the, yeah, I know people have tried to put all the descriptions together online and, and spread them and access them, which yeah. you know it's great for the people who who want to access them. And it's a shame that there's no other way. Uh, but the idea of this project is we are working in collaboration with the film industry, not in some sort of like uh, illegal. Uh, dark side of the internet sort of thing, uh, which also allows us to advertise this publicly and make sure that it it reaches out to as many people as possible and hopefully also get support by the film industry as well as they have been supported already. So, um, yeah, hopefully it it all works out and we can launch worldwide soon. Yeah. I do remember um, a similar project in Canada years ago called Tell Me TV, which I think yeah. had possibly one of the best taglines. Uh, the tagline, because it was a, a similar idea, it was a, a project aiming to bring audio-described content to Canadian viewers. And um, the tagline of the of the project was, they kiss, we tell, which I thought was nice. brilliant. <laughs> so clever. That's catchy. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that project may have gone to the side. I haven't heard much about it. If someone wants to tell me otherwise, I'm sure they will. Um, but from my understanding, it, it's no more. Um, do you have international ambitions for this? Do you want it to be able to be, to be available to people worldwide? Yes. I mean, I don't see why not. And uh, it would make it even more accessible and universal. You know, I uh, we, we also, when we're talking to like the RNIB came out, that there is a huge demand for Bollywood movies, for example, to have the description. You know, I'm sure there's huge pockets of of needs and uh, unmet needs uh, all around yes, the world. So that's true. Um, yeah, I, we'd love this to grow um, as much as as it can. Definitely. You kind of don't think about that, don't you? But we're mm -hmm. so used to in the West, we just get used to what we get, and we're, we're expecting, I guess, because Hollywood makes all the movies. We kind of start there. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. There's Bollywood and there's probably yeah. untold genres of, <laughs> of movies and TV shows that just never get even thought about, never mind considered for audio descriptions. So that's very interesting. Um, we also have quite a few foreign films already on the platform, which um, I I hear from the from the sitting group, at least they were like quite surprised because it doesn't seem to happen very often that you get audio described uh, foreign films. Mm. So they all have uh, audio subtitles, obviously, um, you know, which in some cases are voiced by the same voice actor or by there's two voice actors uh, for them. When we make them, we, we make them with two different voice actors to help people tell, about, tell them apart. Mm. Um, but, uh, but hopefully this is also a good good news that you know if people couldn't really reach foreign films before or uh yeah it'd be a nice nice new thing so not available to our canadian audience sadly but if you're in the uk <laughs> listening to this you can so how can people uh get the service do you have to sign up does it cost money yes so you pay a ticket uh for each film so you just pay each time you you watch a film. Um, the ticket price is agreed with the, with the distributor, and it's normally very similar to what you would pay in any other online uh, online cinema or even in the cinema. So it's between, uh, well, in in pounds, <laughs> it's between five ninety nine and eleven ninety nine. So that's uh, the standard ticket price. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's uh, that's normal, and obviously it reflects the fact that there is a lot of work behind this, and um, uh, and we are you know, making this all for for a specific target audience. So hopefully people are understanding that we are not going to have um, immediately like a very low cost subscription mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, model, which, you know, maybe when if we become bigger, uh, it's something we would be looking at, to, especially if, so that it's easier for people to sort of check out, you know, if they only have a, a monthly subscription, they can forget about it. Uh, in our case, you do have, uh, yeah, you do have to pay each time you watch a film. Uh, it's fairly straightforward. And so far, the um, uh, steering group and the testers have, uh, have all managed. Um, but I'd like to, yeah, reiterate over and over that 
it's you know we're doing as best that we can but we'd love any feedback any constructive feedback and we hope people will be you know patient if there are some little uh you know things that can be improved we will be on it um and uh, we'll, we'll try and do it as as well as and as fast as we can um we're also working with with a platform that because we couldn't like build a whole a whole platform from scratch the way we wanted it we have to we're working with a sort of third-party platform who are very lovely and responsive and interested in accessibility. Mm. Uh, they're called the Eventive. They're actually US-based. Um, so they've been super collaborative, but that means, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, 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 it's a process. But um, hopefully we can, yeah, hopefully it works. <laughs> and it well, seems to be working so far. But. Yeah, well, we'll we'll certainly pass on the feedback. Yes. People who get in touch from here, exactly. Uh, and Just let, you let know. us know any yeah. thoughts, any feedback, any criticism. Maybe send them privately to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. At the end of the day, you've got to start somewhere, and the fact is that yes. you know I, I applaud you for you know making the effort because you know at the end of the day, it's about raising awareness of nothing else. And, you know, we have to make people aware that audio description is, is a key part of the enjoyment of a film. I would not mm-hmm. watch, my wife and I wouldn't watch a movie if it doesn't have AD. It just isn't going mm-hmm. to happen because we will miss exactly. too much out of it. And AD adds so much. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It sounds really interesting. So for, for uh, listeners in the UK, check out mysoundcinema.com. That is the uh, place to find it. Uh, Elena Zini, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap and telling us all about My Sound Cinema. Thanks, Stephen. It was lovely to have to talk. Lovely to have you on. That's it for us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we're back again tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.